0: Welcome into the Chris Mathis podcast. I'm your host Chris Mathis here with a very special edition of the podcast. Talk to him Tuesday with a good friend of mine and quarterback at the University of Richmond, Joseph Mancuso, as we talk about his college football career, which just wrapped up in November. But uh, without further ado, let's welcome on Joseph Mancuso onto the show. A good friend of mine and obviously a guy with a lot of goals, aspirations, and coming off of a solid six-year career at the University of Richmond. Here's Joe Mancuso.
1: Hey, what's going on, Chris?
0: Uh, not much, man. Just uh, glad to have you here on the podcast and kind of dive into your career so far up to this point. Got a long ways to go. I can tell you that much right now. Uh, first and foremost, I do have to get the elephant out of the room. <laughs> Great win for your Saints on Sunday That's night. Right. That's right. 9 0 victory. And Who dat? Uh, obviously, you grew up a Saints fan. I'm a diehard Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Um, you know it was a tough loss but I'm gonna wear it on my sleeve and obviously I got on my shirt too so uh, yeah. tough loss there but good win there for the New Orleans Saints and I know that um, you've always been a diehard Saints fan since way back you're from Louisiana uh, back in second grade Hurricane Katrina hit your area where you grew up in Louisiana and you moved to a small town in North Georgia and then The rest is history. I mean, truly, the rest is history. So you followed Drew Brees his first year with the Saints, and then he had a lot of success there, uh, not only with the Saints organization, but with the city of New Orleans, too. He brought a lot of pride, a lot of energy, a lot of optimism for the entire city, the entire state, even the nation that was all pulling for uh, Louisiana to get back up out of the dumps after an unfortunate situation. But uh, talk about what Drew Brees meant to you Growing up as a kid and also throughout the years as you got older, too, became a quarterback high school wise and then also uh, collegiately, too.
1: Yeah, well, first off, appreciate you having me on the show. It's been pretty awesome to see your progression, progression throughout the years. And now we're doing this podcast. So it's pretty awesome to see. Um, I'm glad, happy for you. And I'm glad I can be on the podcast with you.
0: Yeah, um, man, absolutely. Yeah,
1: who that, who that also, second <laughs> of all, you know, had to, had to throw that out there. It goes Saints. Um, Oh, Drew Brees. Yeah. I mean, he was a huge inspiration, especially for the whole city. I mean, when the hurricane hit, it was obviously like a devastating time for everyone. And then to have him and to have a winning team and for a couple of years, it kind of boosted the morale of the people and the, the people that lived in New Orleans, because it was such a, such a bad event that happened. And I'm just, I'm just happy that they got through it and they're continuing to get through all that stuff that's happening down there. But um, yeah, Drew Brees is huge inspiration for me. I mean, one of the reasons I changed my number to number nine, as you can see right here on the shirt, uh, but I was number twelve, and then I guess for I guess you could say that was for Tom Brady, but then I switched up <laughs> around middle school, high school to number nine, so kind of influenced me there. But so he's been a big influence in my life, and he's definitely been he's been an influence on a lot of people's lives for sure.
0: Oh, no doubt. I'm glad that you did. Shout out Tom Brady there for a second. You know, you got Goat, then you got Baby Goat right there. But anyway, so let's flash back for a second and talk about Joseph Mancuso. For those of you that know Joe collegiately and, you know, as a young adult, obviously an adult now getting ready for hopefully (laughs) bigger things post-college football. But you got your first ever varsity start, your second year sophomore season at Union County High School in North Georgia. And, I mean, the rest just stacked up for you. You dominated, you took over, obviously – uh helped lead the Panther football program to a lot of wins a lot of uh, a lot of success there over 10,000 total yards in 3 seasons as a starting quarterback at Union County High School 109 touchdowns uh in just 3 years so my question is for you is how does a small town kid and Joseph Mancuso from a small town in North Georgia end up playing college football with a division 1 program at the University of Richmond uh
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's been a long journey through rec ball, through middle school ball, junior high, ju- junior varsity, then the varsity ball, then the Richmond. It's been a long journey. Just thankful for everybody that's been there with me. Um, So to start out, I mean, I didn't always play quarterback. I, I started out, I think it was when I was young, I played offensive line because I guess I was one of the bigger guys to help protect the quarterback, you know. And then I moved me to the tight end because I was, got a little more athletic as I was getting to what, like age eight or nine, whatever. Um, starting to play tackle football, and then I think it was when I was 12 years old, maybe we started. I was throwing the football around pre-practice, and what, some of the coaches had recognized that I kind of was slinging it a little bit, so they let me try out. And we, me and the starting quarterback had switched, so it was when, I was when I was 12, so it was like whatever, I'm just gonna play, do whatever. And it was just when the spread was starting, so they were so once I, they saw that I could throw a little bit. They put me back there at quarterback, and the rest was history. We had lethal, lethal rec ball years, so it was a lot of fun then. And then moving into middle school, I didn't start seventh grade year and then started eighth grade. I kind of sat behind those guys, and I was a little intimidated by the size. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. When I was a seventh grader, looking at these eighth graders, like, damn. But went to high school, sat behind T. Bentley or Solly Bentley. I don't know if you remember him, but sat behind him, and then me and Ross were competing for – Austin Drake, we were competing our my sophomore year I think it was his junior year, and then ended up getting that job and putting up those putting up those numbers that you had mentioned but a lot of fun those those first couple of years and leading into high school definitely felt like I left my mark at union county, which i'm I'm thankful for I'm thankful for everybody that had a had a part in that obviously you had a huge part in that calling almost all of the games um I'm thankful that the University of Richmond was the team that reached out. I mean, I didn't have many offers coming out of high school. I I literally just had University of Richmond. I had schools looking at me, but it was like the only one that offered me, the only one that pulled the trigger was University of Richmond, and that happened later on in my senior year. So I'm I'm thankful for everything that's happened and what's continuing to happen and hopefully the next stage of my life.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely! Again, talking with Joseph Mancuso here on the Chris Mathis podcast, a very special edition of the podcast. First ever guest on the show, so it's an honor for me to be able to talk with you on the podcast and for you to be the first one. I'm glad we could uh, Dude, set that's this an honor up
1: for me, bro. That's an honor for me. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad I can get on here.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So Joe, <laughs> you know, you go on from being the top guy at Union County High School for three years, set a lot of records. And obviously you're still progressing. You want to play college football. You go on to the University of Richmond in your first three seasons, I believe, you're kind of a student of the game. You're trying to just pick up some things. You're not really getting much playing time, if any, at all. But you're sitting behind a solid quarterback, a Richmond legend, Kyle Aletta, who ended up getting drafted in the fourth round of the NFL draft back in twenty eighteen. So what was your approach mentally? Those first couple of years, where you're honestly riding the bench, you're in the film room, you're trying to pick up on strategies, trying to read coverages, and just trying to be there a great teammate. What was your mental aspect and your approach to your job at that point in time?
1: Shoot, I mean, it was it was hard when I first went in there from playing a lot at Union County to going there and not play, being like I think I was like fifth or fourth string guy. It was it was definitely a tough time mentally. Um, I think one thing that kept me solid was that you could work out in the weight room and kind of burn the the steam off, and kind of just be with the guys that are kind of going through go the same thing as you. So that definitely helped me when I was younger. Um, but in terms of like being the student of the game, it was like I, I came in my freshman year having pretty much no understanding of football and how like concepts work, how coverages work, literally nothing. I had no knowledge of that other than playing Madden. Madden was like the the way that you could see the coverages and like kind of understand how to play a little bit of football and it's it's actually a lot like Madden. now you think about it (laughs) a lot of the coverage are the same the plays are the same so it just depends on the playbook but a lot of it is similar to that and that that helped me out a little bit but then always being in the film room and then seeing kyle in the film all the time i didn't really know how to watch film but just watching him watch it and kind of asking him what kind of notes is he taking like i didn't know what what to take notes on. Like I had no idea what coverage is. And my coach would get mad because he'd be like, what coverage is this? And I had, I don't know, cover, cover six, cover two. Yeah. It, it, it's so it's so confusing when I first got there. So it was definitely a mentally challenging time when I was younger, kind of, I kind of started grasping it more towards the end of my sophomore year, just kind of getting more one-on-one time with the coaches and kind of putting myself out there. I think that was one thing as a freshman, I didn't really do that much. Is I didn't kind of go to the coach's office and say, Hey, can we, can we watch film? That's something I preach now to these young guys is like, hey, go to the offensive guy's office and just chat with them. Like, see what they're thinking, see how – and then see what what you need to improve on. And if it's in the film room and coverages, understanding defense, you got to learn it there before you can bring it out on the field. And that was was definitely one thing I learned kind of through those first three years, kind of building into the seasons that I had after those first couple years.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure at the time, Kyle didn't think much of you. I mean, no offense, but you said that you didn't get much playing time at all. Uh, I'm sure he thought highly of you as a person, but at the time he was probably just like, okay, it's the next guy. You know, I'm in my junior or senior year at the time. He's just trying to take some notes, you know, but something so small as him willing to help you out really, as you said, paid off, you know, and hopefully you'll pay that respect down the line and uh, And continue to do that too. That's
1: the leadership that he, he, he showed the team. I mean, he was the captain, so he obviously showed the leadership and so whatever you needed, he was always there for you and it's just it was awesome to see him in the league now and he's succeeding and doing what he's doing. I mean, he's a great player, a great leader, and, and obviously a great friend. He still still keeps in contact with me, and I'm glad he's doing really well. So,
0: yeah. Final question about Kyle was so you're this you're this college quarterback trying to get some playing time. Kyle goes on to the NFL draft. How surreal is it for you? Again, a small town guy, your teammate that plays the same position at you at the same school that you're at just got drafted.
1: Yeah, I think I took it for granted, honestly, when I was younger, it was kind of, he was there for two years while I was there, so my freshman year, he had two more years of eligibility, so I got to see him play that whole year, kind of going through, seeing how he does things, and then next year, it was kind of like he was putting, getting ready for the NFL, like kind of putting stats up, and I was like, damn, this this guy's actually pretty good, and so you could see that, and yeah, I mean, he was, I just try to mimic a lot of what he does, and it definitely helped me a lot in being successful throughout college and trying to be successful going into the league. And just trying to take those same steps that he took to get there. And obviously, he he balled out at the Reese's he the Reese's Senior Bowl. I think it's like the big bowl that the senior guys play. And he got invited to that. He had great stats here, which I think he's like one of the top two guys in almost all of the stats. So shout out to him. I mean, he did. He has. He's the MVP of the Reese's Bowl. So it shot his draft stock up. Ended up getting drafted in the fourth round, and the rest of his history. Still on the practice squad teams, being on the active roster teams and trying to be that, be that guy for those professional teams.
0: Yeah, without question. So after six years of you being at the University of Richmond, your collegiate football career is now over. Surreal. I mean, November was your over. last ever college football game. I know we were talking in the offseason how fast time has gone by. and uh, But you can say this. You walked out a winner there in your final game as a spider, you had a lot of friends, a lot of family there at the game too, but talk about your mindset going into potentially ended up being your final game as a spider. I know there were some playoff hopes and there was a small chance that you guys could squeak in the playoffs, but walk me through your mindset heading into potentially your final game as a college quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was surreal. It real. Honestly, I wasn't like too upset that it was last game because it was my sixth year. Like six years is so – abnormal for most college players so like it was about my time to get out of out of the university of richmond and i'm glad i was able to do it against william mary and it being the last game of the season i'm glad, I'm glad we capitalized and got that last w for the guys for the seniors they worked so hard and i think my mindset going into the game was just we got i we, we had a i think it was like a four game win streak or something three game win streak at that point and so it's kind of just to keep rolling i think what was really po- what was really happening was the run game was taking off, and I think that propelled more of the passing game to those those three or four win streaks. So going into the game, I knew I just had to stay confident and calm in the game plan. William and Mary had a great has a great defense, and currently they're I mean they're they're getting better every year. So was, knew we'd have a tough tough matchup. So I I knew I had to stay, go in the go in the game clear-minded, you know, just execute the plays and just make sure I can make plays for those other guys and set them up to make plays. So. That was my mindset going in. I'm glad we got the W because it was, it was the last game. I think, I mean, we knew going into the William Mary game we probably didn't have a chance unless there were some teams that lost. So we probably didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. And we probably, we knew that kind of after the Stony Brook game. It was like that was the first game back after I broke my finger, and that after we lost that one, it was kind of just it was it was it was a tough one. But we we got it done the last four games, and so I'm happy we went out on a win streak. The guys are happy, the seniors are happy, so we left it all out there.
0: Yeah, without question. And you kind of set me up for my next question. You're doing my job, man. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Let's recap your senior season as a Spider. All things considered, the good, the bad, whole nine yards. You guys got off to a hot start. Uh, Then you play at Virginia Tech. Pretty exciting moment for you in front of 60,000 fans. That's something that every kid that plays football dreams of. Uh, Um, And that was cool. I was at the game. The crowd was insane. It had me wanting to strap up. Uh, unfortunately, you suffered a hand injury in that game on the second play from scrimmage with a 29-yard run, uh, and then you missed a couple of games, as you said, due to that hand injury. But talk about, again, just your overall senior year. You come back from that hand injury. You guys win four straight, as you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I mean, you train in the offseason to, like, to not get injured. You do all the stretches, all the mobility everything you can possibly think of to not get injured. And you're thinking about it too. It's like, it's not like every player thinks about it. And it's like, you try to do everything. And in the moment, you're not thinking about it. And like, it happens and you're like, what the crap? Like, why did this happen to me? But I mean, this, the second play, like for it to happen on the Virginia Tech game, like that, that stadium was so crazy when we walked out and everybody was jumping around. It's like one of the best college football entrances in all of college football. So they all got to check it out on YouTube, do whatever you got to do it was exactly like you see like people were jumping it was so crazy you're walking out they're not even cheering for you but you're (laughs) walking out of the tunnel and it feels like they're cheering for you so it was it was so sick to see that first off but then I came out came out hot too we came out the first play I think it was a a bum bum play and then the second play kind of made something happen with my feet and they've been telling me to slide a lot at that point I was like Early in the season, I wanted early in the game, too, I wanted to kind of get as much as I could. I thought I, I had eyes on the, on the end zone, but I'm not that fast yet. And so I got kind of got hogged down from the right side, ended up hitting me from the right, rolled a little bit, and my hand got left out, and there's another cornerback chasing me, and he trips over me, lands on my finger with his butt. Like, it was the weirdest way to injury, but we watched it a bunch of times on film, ended up snapping my finger in half, And I get up, I was looking at it. I was like, damn, this thing doesn't look right. It was a little crooked. And you can see it. If you go look at some of the pictures from that game, you can see my finger. I was holding on the ball. And I looked down. I couldn't really feel my finger. Started like popping it back and forth, thinking it was just dislocated. And it moved a little further than it would have been if it was dislocated. And and my adrenaline was pumping. So I didn't didn't feel anything. So I I was like, I probably can't throw this. Walked off to the sideline, sat down, got a little injury timeout. The doctor came out. Started feeling it, was broken, and went to the sideline. Got the X-ray, and that's when it kind of hit me that it started hurting a little bit. But I mean, everything happens for a reason. Like we had a lot of adversity points throughout the whole season. It's not just me. I mean, the, everybody's faced everybody's faced adversity points sometime in their life, and that was just one of the one of the times where I had to battle through it. And I'm glad I was able to get back to the last couple of games for sure. But.
0: Yeah, you talk about that injury and that moment in which you're like, hey, I can't throw the ball. It was your throwing hand index finger. I mean, if it was the other hand, there was a shot that you could have played. Or...
1: Oh, yeah, we're clubbing it up. Oh, yeah, for
0: there. sure. But walk me through, and I know it's, it's not fun to talk about, but walk me through your mental approach to that, knowing that, hey, this is my sixth year, my senior year. I'm balling out right now. And, you know, what looked to be maybe just a dislocated finger is now a pretty serious injury on my throwing hand, and I'm going to miss – more than two, three games.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of hype going into that game. I think we started off pretty hot going two and one. Um, had, we knew we had the right personnel to kind of beat those guys. I mean, we always have those those one FBS teams that are always really good that you try to compare yourself with and some of the really good, <clears throat> obviously, FCS teams. But went in there super confident. We had everybody was healthy. Um, well, most everybody was healthy. Did that second play – it just—it still bugs me man it still bugs me but
0: went in there
1: um second play ended up getting hurt went back out there to support the guys and I think my mindset really was to just stay calm throughout the I knew that the stadium was going to be crazy just because so many fans were going to be there so I think my mindset was just to stay calm and execute what we had to do I mean they obviously the athletes are ridiculous any FBS football team has got crazy athletes so we just had to play to our strengths and kind of execute our game plan and make them make mistakes, and we capitalize on that. So that was my mindset going into it. It was unfortunate I got injured on the second play, but we were able to kind of get some points on the board. We saw where areas where we could have made plays and maybe could have scored, but, I mean, you look back on it, you just got to take that game when you're watching the film and kind of just make sure you don't do those things in the next couple of games. And So that's what we kind of did after I got injured was, Okay, now what's my role on the team? I, I'm, a, I'm a captain, so I got to be a leader still. So after that happened, I kind of just switched my mindset like, yo, let me make sure we're getting Bo on the right page. Whoever's back in, whoever's at the backup quarterback, make sure they're on the right page, make sure everybody receivers wise, offensive line wise is on the right page. And that's the role I kind of took when I was injured.
0: Yeah, I mean, there you go. So if any NFL scout is checking out this video, I ask a question about Joe's injury and he talks about the team's performance and, uh, you know, him. <laughs> Trying to support the team. So that says a lot about the character that Joe Mancuso brings to the table. Uh, but okay, so final question I got to ask. Talk about that whole process of not only overcoming that injury. I know that you had a long process of therapy, of you know, physical therapy, the whole nine yards of trying to get in it and trying to stay, I guess you could say positive. I know you had a lot of people in your corner, a lot of teammates, coaches were all on your side hoping that you would come back. And you did, but talk about your approach and the amount of work, the amount of hours, time that you put into rehabbing a pretty serious injury. I know it's a small, you know, it's your finger, but seriously, it's a, it's a key thing for any athlete, especially a quarterback like yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, quarterbacking in your hands are one of the, literally the most important thing. I mean, you use it every play. Like you got to have that wrist motion. You got to have your fingers to be able to, be able to grip. So it's huge thing for a quarterback. But when I did, when it did happen, I was in the X-ray room, said it was broken, saw the x-rays. First question was, like, what? how long is it like, going to be back? Because I, I just wanted to be out there. Like, obviously, my adrenaline is still going. I wanted to go back on the field with my broken finger and just maybe do something. But, like, they were, they were like, nah, they're probably going to be out for, like, four to six weeks was the time period they gave me. And thankfully, it was earlier in the season that it had happened. So, we had those however many weeks it was. I, I got the screw that following Monday. So, it happened that Saturday. Sunday and then Monday I got had surgery in my finger. So they, they were able to screw it because a bone, had, like I guess I fractured the right way to where they didn't have to put pins in because pins was a little bit longer of a recovery process. So they were able to screw it kind of right through my knuckle and it kind of lines up about right here to about the end of my finger. And yeah, I mean that, that definitely helped the recovery aspect of it. because They were able to, once that first week of after the surgery, Kind of was I was doing as much movement as I could, but then we started doing like rehab and therapy at the hospital with the different uh, occupational therapists and just getting my grip strength back, getting that motion back. And it took a lo- it took a couple of weeks. I mean, it took a full two weeks for me to actually make a fist. So I'm still honest. I'm still getting my grip strength back, but it took me two weeks to get back. And th- thankfully, it was a lot faster of a process than they had said. So it said four to six, and I was able to kind of get it through that Virginia Tech week. After that weekend, we had a bye week, or I don't rem- remember when the bye week was, but we had a game, maybe bye week, and another game that I had missed, so I was able to get those three weeks and kind of only missed two games, really, and the BC game, and yeah, it was a really fast recovery process, thankful for all the, the people that helped out, the doctor that did the surgery, the occupational therapist that helped out, their assistant, everybody was super, super helpful in trying to get me back to the field as fast as they could, because I knew. I knew that I had a chance to play the last couple of games and I think everybody on the team knew. So it was just making sure I was staying on top of the rehab process and trying to stay on top of it for those guys and being back. Cause we had, we didn't do too well when I, uh, after those, those games that after I got injured. So I wanted to get back and play those last couple of games, see if we can get ourselves to a winning season. So I, I was thankful we were able to do that and have such a fast recovery process.
0: Again, talking with Joe Mancuso here on a Talk To Him Tuesday edition of the Chris Mathis Podcast. So, Joe, you finish out your senior year. You come back from that injury. You ball out. You guys go on a four-game winning streak to close it out. Uh, But here are a couple of stats. You finished top 10 in several quarterback stats at the University of Richmond. Racked up 59 total touchdowns, 40 through the air, 19 rushing touchdowns. Dole threat quarterback right there. Uh, Finished fifth all-time with 7,237 all-purpose yards. Sixth all-time with 5,696 passing yards, and then over 1,500 yards rushing the football too. What exactly do those accolades mean to you, and and what do you attribute that success to?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the accolades are what they are. Like They were what they were in high school when it was really high, and they were what they they were here. I mean, it doesn't tell you how good a player is. They might have good receivers. They might have a great offensive line might have a great running back and I have just different weapons that they can play. But I mean, they, it really doesn't matter to me in terms of like the yardage that I did get. I'm thankful that I was able to stay healthy for most of it and that it turned out so well. And I'm in the record books and kind of left my mark at the university of R- Richmond as well. But in terms of it meaning like a lot, I, I don't think it means a lot because stats don't mean anything. I mean, the, the thing that matters is the wins. So the, the thing that matters is the wins and the W's in the win column. So that's that's my approach to
0: that and yeah without further ado joe we have to debut this i know this is going to be very exciting uh this might mute your mic that's fine it'll come back on after we watch this so uh you might have to click something once i click on this in order for you for you to hear the video but uh you definitely want to hear it so three two one for those of you that are tuned in right now on spotify uh pay attention to the phone right here uh to catch up and see what joe mancuso is all about
1: Mancuso fakes the handoff, in trouble, breaks free, can't run. First down, 40, 45, midfield, took a shot. He's the physical runner. Play action fake from Mancuso, wants to go deep. Has a man, Wilkins behind the defense, got him in stride. To the middle again, picked up eight yards on first down. Mancuso with the pump. Mancuso with the throw for the end zone. He's got Fuller, and the Spiders have six more. Here comes the run. He gets a block from Johnson, and there goes Mancuso to the house. Touchdown, Joe Mancuso.
0: So there we go. That's a little. That's a sneak peek at what will release later on, and it should be available here for you guys that are listening right now. I'll make sure to tag that link to the video. the description but big time shout out to paul mcbride of course all the broadcasters all of your teammates coaches for setting you up with uh great play calling and of course great execution on your part joe which doesn't come by just being a great athlete you have to put in the work so talk about your preparation throughout a week in order to be ready for a game i mean you can go as in-depth as you'd like in terms of hey you know i've watched probably 10 hours of film or I was working out this amount of times per week. Talk about your preparation in order to go out there and dominate on any given Saturday.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a pretty detailed like list of what I did throughout the like film and pre-game week. But that's uh, that, that little highlight reel was pretty sweet. That was the first time I've seen it. I know Paul just texted me a little while ago. He said it made something. So I definitely want to check it out after this. and I'll Click on the link for sure. Uh, but throughout the week, yeah, I mean, we start off, Sundays after that game week, or Sundays before the first game, or whatever, we have film and kind of go through a quick run through the team. We'll have a team meeting, we'll have a quick run through a coach. We'll go up to the up to the uh, front of the meeting room, have a presentation pulled up with the opponent opposing team, give the, all their accolades and all that stuff, all their coaches and stuff. Then we'll go out and we we would practice from eight to nine fifteen or whatever, kind of do like a little walkthrough, a little get our blood flowing a little bit. And then Mondays would be off. And so that was the time to kind of get some of the schoolwork if you had any schoolwork. But I was I was mostly just as a six year guy, I was mostly just in the in the film room or in my at my home because they gave us the bull DB sport app, which is kinda of like Huddle or any other recruiting thing where you can edit the clips and do all that stuff and kind of watch yourself and practice and in the games and then watch the opposing teams like their games in their previous from the previous year or the current year. Um so Monday was a big film day for me kind of watching it later in the evening i started watching it and always taking quick notes just watching through a game or game or two just taking notes on their better players and figuring out who's the who's the ball hawks on the team um then you go to tuesday is our first day of practice for the week we go pads or shell like shells which is just shoulder pads and shorts no pants and then when well pants well shorts but uh (laughs) we had didn't have uh, pads in our pants and then that was for Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday, we had more of a walkthrough, which is very easy going, kind of walkthrough. Friday was our fast Friday, was what they called it, kind of get the blood flowing right before Saturday. So that Tuesday and Wednesday, we kind of picked up a lot of the film with the coaches. We watched film before practice, and then I would come in after practice a couple of times throughout the season kind of watch the practice again and then start watching some more film on the guys and see how the plays that we're running in practice correlate to what the coverage they're they're doing and calling on their, their side of the ball. Cause um, the defenses on the other team, they're pretty, they're pretty similar in like what they call. And like, so you just try to figure out the open coverages when, when we have certain plays called. So that's what we were doing the first for Tuesday and Wednesday, kind of going into Thursday, you had that walkthrough. So it was easier practice and made sure that you watch film that day too. Just, Seeing those, I watch that more at night night as well, just kind of getting that right before I go to bed, just the last thing I think about is football. So writing down all my notes, kind of going through my notes again, then we go to Friday's practice earlier in the morning. I have no film before practice. Go to, through the fast Friday, kind of running what we're going to run for the game on Saturday and executing that, trying to execute that perfectly. So we do it in practice, you do it in the game. So we, that was our mindset going into the, the whole weeks of practice. Then after Friday, we watched some more film kind of ramping up, like being more detail focused on each player, kind of focusing on what each player's like attributes are, what they're really good at, what, they, what they're what they not very good at. And a lot of times for like the leagues we're in, a lot of the players are pretty solid all, of, all the way around. So it's was trying to find those little minute details and what they were doing, whether they were taking the wrong step step here whether they're rolling the wrong way it is the little things that you you pick up on as you watch film throughout the week and kind of watch them because you watch them every day you're going to catch these little things that start happening so that was kind of like the whole week we would have for one team and then we do that all again the next week and we do that for however many 12 11 or 12 weeks that we played so it's a it's a it's a hard hard job but it's definitely rewarding when you get out there and you're able to win a couple of games and you think back on like all the preparation you did because you prepare to win. And when you're prepared, you're, you're pretty lethal. So,
0: Yeah. Joe, this, this question was not on the uh, script that I gave you, but I do have to ask this. So of course I've never played football other than, you know, in the backyard and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's kind of go inside the quarterback's helmet at this moment, you watch a lot of film, not only for practice and what's required from the team, but also in your own time. Uh, talk about how great of a feeling it is when you're playing in the game and you pick up on a tendency that you saw, you know, in film on a DB, you're like, Oh, okay. He bit on that and play 37 of my film. Here he is biting on it here. Now I can take a shot. Is that pretty rewarding? Is that a good feeling when you pick up on something like that?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the coaches have done or did a really good job kind of emphasizing, yo, this player's about to do this. And that quarterback, you all, you're all you kind of looking at one guy and then you see what these other guys are doing off of him. So when the coaches would say, you got to read this dude to tell you where to go, it was usually the right, when they call that play, I know I got to look at this guy. And if he does this, then I go here. If he does this, then I go the opposite side. And it's kind of like that. And if you got a receiver that that's kind of, that's nice, then you probably can just skip all that stuff over there and throw it yeah. to him because he's probably going to make a play well that's that's the easier side and so when you see those coverages in in the film room and you're able to kind of mimic that in practice and then when it happens in the game you've already seen it however many times you practice it so it becomes pretty like it's just second nature when you're in there and you know when he does this I gotta do this when he does this I gotta do this and just make sure that timing's right and that's what we kind of do throughout the practice that we have we make sure the timing's down and make sure that we're prepared to go out there when, the, cause it's a little, it's a lot faster than what we'd usually face in practice. So kind of have to ramp things up when you're in the game and towards fast Friday, you're starting to get that game speed kind of mimicking those end game plays. Yeah.
0: How superstitious are you as a, as a football player aside from, you know, your own personal life and whatnot, but in terms of football, are you a superstitious guy? And Hey, you know, I've, I've wore this pair of socks three weeks in a row. We've <laughs> lost all three. We've won all three or Hey, you know, I, I tend to – I have noticed you do slide up your socks quite often after you get hit. Talk about if yeah. you have any superstitions and if you would say you're a very superstitious football player or not. I
1: wouldn't say I'm the most superstitious football player. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's some guys on the team that are pretty superstitious with how, how many capes they wrap. I don't even know what their superstitions are, but I'm not as much. I mean, when it comes to the cleats, you mentioned the cleats when I – when I would have a couple wins with a pair of cleats, I, I'll probably wear the same the same pair unless I'm feeling like it's more of like a swag thing. Cause that that was that was, that was kind of my mindset with the cleats. But I mean, and other like other ones, I mean, just pregame wise, it was kind of doing the same thing. I would I wouldn't think it would affect how I played if I did anything different. So I kind of did the same thing every week, just based off of like what I usually do, what I feel comfortable with, um, trying to just stay get the blood flowing, but not get it too much where I'm just juiced out by the time I get on the field. So that was my mindset. I wasn't the most superstitious, like in the songs that I listened to before every game, how many tapes I wrapped on my wrist, but I I tried to like keep the things the same. So my mindset was pretty even keeled throughout the whole pregame process.
0: Yeah. So pretty much a routine, you know, that way it feels normal. This is what I do on Saturdays. I, I walk to this yard line. I step away. It's not necessarily superstition. It's just The routine, and you've done it before. You've been there. You've done that before. Speaking of which, a lot of great quarterbacks at all levels are like that. I mean, you look at guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady. They all have that same, hey, this is what I do. This is how I eat, breathe, and sleep. Of course, Tom Brady a little bit over top, but it works. It obviously has paid off. Which guy or which guys in the NFL have you tried to learn from or tried to listen in on their interviews and pick up some things from, whether it be something as small as – you know, hey, I need to watch more film, or hey, I should change my diet, or hey, you know, if I'm the first guy there, the last to leave, you know, that usually translates into uh, success as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, playing quarterback, I think I look at Aaron Rodgers the most out of anybody, just what he does is, like, at the quarterback position, just amazing, I mean, you watch him, it's like, he's so natural and fluid with it, and he's, he's been in the league so long and he was behind Brett Favre. So he obviously has some good footsteps to follow, big footsteps to follow. And for him to come in and do that and then continually succeed, it's just amazing. And he's a crazy gunslinger. So physically and like playing quarterback, I'm trying to look at the mechanical things that he's doing and try to change up maybe some, some ways I'm throwing, maybe I'm throwing my back hip a little bit. Maybe I'm stepping a little bit further than I want to, to get the power, just trying to do these little detailed things to, a change in the throw, but i mean i think in terms of like outside of football and like trying to stay healthy i think obviously tom brady is very very healthy guy kind of he's been a league i mean he's what 44 45 years old been in the league forever so he knows how to stay and do those longer duration periods and kind of keep his body being able to do that and it's not putting 600 pounds in your back it's stretching doing a huge emphasis on stretching making a huge emphasis on your core I think that's what I've learned from him and other guys in the league as well. Is like they put such a huge emphasis on their body and being pliable and their mobility and all that stuff that just kind of keeps you healthier. So where like when you get twisted and turned, your body's able to kind of do that because it's already done it. And when you work in those workouts, you're trying to train that way. So when you're in those weird positions, you try to not be in those weird positions in the first place. But when you are, if you're kind of more able to take the, the grunt of the hit because you've been in that position before and you're... Pliable and you're mobile enough to take those hits, and so that's one thing I've kind of picked up on: is being more pliable, not worrying about how much I can squat or bench, it's worrying about more how, how the longevity of my season and being healthy throughout. And it's unfortunate that I ended up bro- breaking my finger as the one injury that stops me, but I'm, well, yeah, it, it, it didn't on the stop it just
0: put a pause in the yeah, yeah, put a yeah, pause. Yeah. Put process, a
1: pause.
0: <laughs> so, Joe, uh, also, we want to talk about. One of the most difficult play calls, if you can recall, it doesn't matter if it is by far the most difficult, but one that comes to mind off, you know, the top of your head. What's a pretty difficult play call and and try to explain it for a dummy, you know, that doesn't necessarily know the play call that's not in, you know, the locker room or whatnot.
1: Okay. I can I don't really have the difficult play call. We try to simplify a lot of the things that when you're when you're back there and you're kind of talking with the offensive coordinator, some guys are able to process things differently, and usually most of the time it's when it's simplified. And so when we don't have 50,000 words, and I'm saying in the huddle, it's easier to remember. Like, oh, I gotta do this on the one word. I'll say one word, you do this. But what we do in the huddle is I'll say, we'll we'll say whatever to get everybody's attention. Then I'll say the play, and then on on whatever on one or two or whatever. And so one of the plays I can just come up with the top of off the top of my head is like, what we got. You got like right formation so you got a two by two set we're going to call y old x drive and so y old x drive is just the concept of where the y who's attached to the line runs out like a 10 yard sail route you have a, a go route on the outside and then a drive concept which is if anybody knows football it's the shallow you have a basic behind it and then the back is out to the flat with that protection and so whatever protection it was. So it's, it's a right 65, which is the protection or whatever the protection was. <laughs> That's what we would, we would say. And the the line would slide that way. And it was kind of, it's a lot to process at first, but once you rep that in practice and kind of have those plays already in your head, it's, it's second nature, honestly, like you have the terminology before you, I mean, obviously you're going to have the terminology. If you're a starter, you, you got to know what you, what's going on. So if you're starting, everybody's knowing like, the steps they take, where they got to be here, and in practice is kind of figuring out where the running back it's a run play, where the running back is going to fit right here, where the defensive line going to try to stop the running back from going. It's just these different things that you try to pick up on, and it's everybody. Everybody has a thought process throughout every play, and I think the it's not really about how hard the play is when I say it. It's like how many words there is. It kind of tells everybody what to do. And so some plays would be super long, some plays would be – pretty short so it just depends on that and it's just a concept thing too is whatever the coach calls you got to know your concepts and just know the plays
0: yeah so you're basically a conductor of the game at the quarterback position you know what the play call is you're trying to relay it and if if you fail at relaying the message to your teammates in the huddle it kind of comes back to the quarterback so you Mm -hmm. have to take a lot of pride you say it's second nature in terms of doing that It, it seems like you know just natural but uh is that a lot of fun for you to know that hey, I'm the guy. I got to learn these plays. Let's take in all these plays. Now I have to show them off on Saturday. And more importantly, relay the message. Even if if the play fails, you at least know the play call and your teammates do as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we've had some mess ups just signaling because we signal the play in with a number and then I would dig my wristband on the number and say the play. So we've had a miscue or two, almost not, we try to not have every game, but probably one or two every now and then and that was in the coach would be like what the heck was that like we didn't call that play and it was just a miscommunication between me and the signaler obviously it doesn't happen that much because we try to execute the play calls that they call or I'll change it up at the line to ch- or in the huddle to change it to something that may be leaning more toward being successful than the play call I thought was being called um, but in terms of like the communication I think yeah when we were able to huddle Signal and huddle everybody was kind of right there so it was, it was they were able to ask me if we if they had a confusion on a play or like where they lined up or they didn't hear me like Virginia Tech you couldn't hear anything so we had to I was screaming in the huddle for the first two plays and the back bow the backup he was said he was screaming and we'd have different formations that sounded the same and it'd be like no you're doing this and it's like the receivers would be like what and you couldn't hear anything so <laughs> that's one of the the tougher parts and then it's It's honestly pretty pretty cool. I think it's just a learning. It's another facet of the game where you got to learn a lot. And so like, and you go through your steps, and everybody does it, and it gets even harder when you go to the league. And I've done some camps where they did show me the plays with the NFL guys, and that's just the craziest thing. And it's awesome because there's so much more to learn. And it's kind of like being that that guy as a freshman and kind of learning through the freshman, sophomore, junior years. It's the same thing in the process of like getting out of the huddle get into the line, okay, what are my checks? Like I have the routine checks and like making sure I'm looking at the right guy, have my eyes on the right guy, making sure everybody's lined up in the same position. There's like a checklist you have in your head and it's the same thing. You practice, you prepare. So in that preparation you you obviously perform pretty well. So if you're prepared, you perform well and that that's the thought process for most of the guys. And I was able to kind of be that that guy, the conductor as you said on the field and lead the guys. And it's exciting because there's so, I have so much more to learn in that aspect of the game because in the, in the league, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it because there was some plays that I, when I learned it, it was a St. Louis Rams playbook whenever I, when they were whenever they, they were in St. Louis and it was crazy. You had, you were in the huddle, you had one play call that you heard through your little earpiece um, and it alerted. So you get to the line. That play call wasn't there. You've had to say another play in the huddle. So you say the play, alert to so another play, maybe kill to another play. So you have three plays that everybody has to remember. Everybody, the offensive line, the receivers, running backs, and the quarterback. And so it's just a crazy amount of things that are going through your quarterback's head because you have a checklist on every play. So if you're changing the play, you have a different set of checklists. And so if you have three different plays, you can go through a crazy amount of different checklists and stuff that you have to go through in your mind. So that's how, that's why the quarterback position is one of the tougher ones, because you have to figure out that right play, especially in the league when you have to figure out the right play, what's going to work. And I think the, the guys that are successful prepare a lot to where they know, like, okay, is this called, if this dude does this, I got to change the play. If this dude stays here, I'll, I'll run with it. And we'll see what, see what happens to the play. And that's, I think the great ones, obviously, they're so prepared. So when they're prepared, it's obviously it leads to a better performance. So,
0: yeah, without question, it seems like you're eager to learn more, and I think you're going to yeah, have an opportunity sure. to do so. And it's only to get going to get more fun as you guys do pick up more plays, as you do find some new formations, new kills, like you say, because that's the fun part of football, in my opinion, other than wins and losses. Of course, winning is fun; losing really stinks, but it makes the winning worth it that much more. But In order to have a decent game, you do have to know the play calls in and out. And that's what's going to be fun about football is that you continue to learn. You continue to build relationships with everybody. Uh, And, of course, your college football career is is now over as of November, a little bit over a month ago. Um, But it's far from over uh, in terms of what's next for you. Talk about up to this point what you would say is the defining moment of your football career up to this point.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, the fighting moment, I think, I feel like I have a couple. Like, I mean, obviously a good one would be coming in my first game at Delaware and putting up like some, some really good numbers when I went out there. So it, it kind of gave me that confidence boost to like, okay, I can still do this. It's Like I had those first three years where I wasn't really doing much or two, two or three years, whatever, where I wasn't really doing much out of high school. And then two years of not playing it kind of can take a mental it's like a mentally challenging thing when you go in and you're like okay i haven't played in a while but then i, I put up those numbers so it was kind of a a booster for me mentally um when i went in and did that but i think another another point would probably be when i broke my finger honestly because i never i honestly never knock on the web never got injured like in game but other than my finger so besides a concussion but anything like physically like breaking any bones or doing anything not going wood again I'm gonna keep saying that because I don't want you know
0: I mean um, I'll get you too there we go
1: yeah give me give me right um so that was the first time and so I kind of had to deal with that and kind of have to go through that adverse point and a lot of the guys go through a lot worse injuries and are able to come out of it so I knew that if I kept my mind right kept my my routine correct and making sure I was staying on top of the things I had to do and the mental aspect and physical aspect then I was going to be good because that was just, it was another adversity when throughout my years, six years of college is I have so many adversity points where it's just like, damn. And it, it allows you to maybe quit. But if you have that mindset then you'll keep pushing forward and try to push for your team and your, just for yourself, honestly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it comes down to how bad you want something. If it's always easy to lay down and just say, Hey, you know what, this, this could be it for me. You know, it was a good ride, yeah, exactly. but I'm going to let this thing not only stall me, but, Hold me back and I'm going to be done. Instead, you fought back. You obviously put in a lot of time and rehabilitation, the whole nine yards. And then not only that, you came out, played at a high level following the injury and the recovery process. You guys put together four straight wins there at the University of Richmond to close out your final season as a spider. Uh, Talk about what exactly and this I shouldn't say what exactly, but what do you hope is next for Joseph Mancuso, the football player following a six year college football career?
1: I mean, yeah, I think I'm pretty self-aware in the fact the that I I have a chance to go to the next level. Um, I know the work that I put in. I know I know what I've what I've done to get where I am, and I think I'm as I said I'm self-aware in the fact that I have a chance to make it. And so when the when the time comes, I I can rely on that the work that I put in in the off season and kind of everybody that helped me throughout. But that whole process, I can kind of rely on that and fall back on that when the time comes where I have to show up and kind of ball out for the guys. And, yeah, just whatever happens is in God's hands. I mean, I go on the pro day. If I throw 50 for 50, then it's obviously all thanks to him and all the training that I've done. And if I throw 0 for 50, it's like it's, 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 life goes on. I mean, it's, it's just a game. And I think I've I've definitely had that thought and had that kind of mentality Throughout my whole season, it's just a game, and it's like life's going to go on. But the work that you put in, it'll show when when the time comes.
0: Yeah, and so in terms of getting to that next level, you talk about you want to do so. Obviously, you have the size, you have the talent, you have the potential to crack into that and play at the next level. What do you need to do right now in terms to get that opportunity? Is it, hey, I'm still searching for an agent. Here's how you do that. Or what's kind of – because it's tough to find a blueprint for this unless – I guess you had somebody, you know, up above you tell you how to handle this. So what's kind of your process right now in order to get your name out there at the next level, hopefully the NFL?
1: Yeah. And it goes back to the guys that have been drafted. And it's like you said, you asked the question, was it surreal that these guys get drafted? Seeing these guys get drafted and especially Kyle or the guy who's in my position. It's like the, the previous years or the years that I've seen guys go to the league, it's like, okay, it's a normal thing, honestly. It wasn't as surreal because it's normal. I've seen these guys go from this point at Richmond and then make it in the league and make it on a team. And the process that they take, and maybe they didn't have a great day when the scout was there and the scout kind of passed on. So it's making sure that I'm ready for that day to when it comes, I'm, I'm prepared and I'm I'm going to rely on every all the work that I put in and so I think it's it look and the agent process is a big thing, but like looking at the guys that have made it, it's like what are the steps that they take? Who is the agent that they contact, and can I get in contact with him? Where do they train? Can I train there? It's Figuring out what works best for you, and I think that's the kind of what I've gained these last past couple of weeks is like I'm not I'm not really doing much right now. I'm kind of just training for that pro day and kind of figuring out like if I'm gonna play in any showcases, whether or not. I need an agent now, or the agent comes later i'm gonna, I'm gonna just be prepared when that, when it happens and just making sure I'm sticking myself out there where like if they want to talk to me, I'm able to, for them to communicate with and kind of see what, where I'm at and all this.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. That's the fun part of the process. That's also another challenge. I mean, the challenges tack on, and a lot of people just see the success. You know, oh, he's playing college football. Yeah, it took a lot of things to get there to be able to do it. Oh, he's playing in the NFL. This or that. Or hey, he's on a, a on a practice squad. There are so many different things that goes into that to just have an opportunity to do that. And and you kind of just talked us to uh, taught us through how you're going to try to approach that and how you're still trying to figure out your way through this whole process. But let's say a team reaches out to you and they say, how can you sell yourself to us to say, hey, you are the guy. You're the guy that we want to sign in no matter what the role is on the team. We want you sell us as to what Joseph Mancuso brings to the table, first and foremost, as a football player. Second of all, as a teammate that helps, you know, whether it be scout team, whether it be, you know, uplifting or whether it be in terms of, hey, I got to step up and I'm going to play in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I am a hard worker. Like off, se- off season, like during the season, right before and preseason, I'm going to work my butt off and whatever aspect it is, mentally, physically, like being a good teammate, I'm going to work my butt off and doing whatever I can to help our team win because that's the ultimate goal, I think, is for us to win. And I think being the leader and kind of showing the guys, being that guy that does the right thing and kind of aligning them to do the right thing as well as what what shows the what shows as a leader and what, what a lot of people don't see is like who's who's that leader on these NFL teams that's pushing these guys to go watch extra film who's pushing these guys to do an extra workout or something I wanted to be I want to be that guy and I have so much more to learn because I started from literally ground level and what I knew and knowledge of football so throughout this high school throughout my six years at Richmond I still I still feel like I'm I'm still very early in the knowledge that I can gain through the game. And so in that aspect, it's like I have a a lot of room to improve, and I feel like that's a a good aspect that a lot of teams are looking for is room to improve. Where can they help us? Where can they help us now? Where can they help us in the future? And because I have so much room to improve, I feel like I can just build off of each year when I'm in the league and when I'm learning under guys that I'll I'll just be – I'll be able to kind of put it all out there once I've learned and have the knowledge that some of these guys have have been playing for 20 plus years have and continue to gain knowledge as they go through every year. And Tom Brady, he's in year 20 and he's still learning every single, every single week, every single practice, he's learning something new. And that's the mindset that I have. It's like, I'm going to keep learning. I want to learn. I have the drive to learn and I got the people behind me. The work that I put in is enough to get me to where I want to be. And I feel like that's where I'm at Right now, and that's how I would say – that's how what I will say in the interviews that I talk with, that I talk with the team.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now that's Joseph Van And, Joe, we'll, we'll cap off this interview with one situation that's been very dear to your heart. And uh, sure. you've really had this become a part of your story in terms of your support for what unfortunately had happened back in 2018 on December 9th, 2018. One of your – not only teammates, but a best friend of yours on the team, Gus Lee – uh, committed suicide, uh, and obviously just a situation that nobody really knew about, according to what I read up on. And you never really know. I mean, anybody that has a smile on their face could be going through dark times and, and whatnot. But talk about how you've tried to take his story and continue to live on with Gus Lee and bring him along with you wherever you've gone in terms of, hey, I don't want anybody to go through this, especially someone that I love, someone that I'm close with, a teammate, a brother, a friend.
1: Yeah. I mean that was super hard time for me. I mean that that was one of my one of my close friends at Richmond, <clears throat> and for that to happen, it just it sent me down. Like it was a hard mental battle after that had happened, and it it was the it was, uh, what what did I what could I have done? That's my that was my thought, and uh, it was just such a hard time. And like I said, we go back to that adverse periods. Like we're gonna have, everybody has adversity in their life, and how you overcome it, and the people that help you. It's just, it's just, it's it was, it was a tough time, and I got a tattoo that says every adversity contains a seed of prosperity. And so when that happened, I kind of had that thought process after I was mourning for a little while, kind of just what, what what could I have done? I had that thought process that every adversity contains a seed of prosperity. And I had to keep telling myself that when when this incident had happened. And it was like I I need to be there for these I need to be there for everybody I need to be there for myself too like that's a big thing that we need to focus on now is and I think it is be, becoming a big topic is mental health and that's one of the things that I've taken and kind of used as my brand and that's what this damn Nine shirt kind of stands for and there's another shirt for Gus his favorite team as the Miami Dolphins so it's an orange and blue kind of color and it has the same design as this. And, Profits from that share go to the suicide awareness. So I'm just kind of trying to bring awareness through my brand to that, at, to the mental health aspect. And for it kind of added that seed of prosperity. So that adverse point contained this seed of prosperity and will continue to build up, build through other seeds. It's like, I'm going to keep building my brand through that and through mental health and trying to be there for people, being there for myself, figuring out things, figuring out the self care that I need to do to keep my mental mental health in check. And that's is mental health is what gets you to where you can have good physical health, where you can have a good life, be happy. And you just got to worry so much about yourself, like mentally have self-care and then push that on, not push, but like be there for other people when they need it. And that's, that's one thing, the message through my shirts. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a, obviously I was upset when it happened, but I'm, I'm able, I'm thankful for the opportunity that it presented. And I'm always going to be there for his family, for his friends for everybody that whoever needs to talk i mean i'm obviously there and i hope every all of my friends know that like it's it. everybody has their struggles and it's not every single person has something they're dealing with and it's no nobody's perfect so that's one one thing i wanted wanted to say on this podcast was that nobody's perfect you're all going to have their battles but it's how you push through these battles and who you talk to and who you're with that'll help you get through your battles because life's amazing you want to i want everyone to be here i don't want anybody to have to go through that, that that stuff. So that was one thing I wanted to say on this. And for anybody that is going through anything, it's like make sure you just reach out to someone. Like it, it's, not, it's not worth it. Just take, be sure you're able to talk to anyone. Anybody will talk to you. I mean, just reach out to your parents or anybody that you're close to. It's just, I, just, I just urge everyone to do that if they're going through tough times and just being able to kind of talk, just being able to talk to someone. It gets so much off your chest. And that, that's something that I've done. That's something that I will continue to do through therapy, with therapists, whatever, to kind of keep my mental health in check. And you don't have to be afraid or worried about what everybody thinks about you. It's just make sure you're on what you have to do for your mental health. And that leads to better things in your life.
0: Yeah, again, Joseph Mancuso and Joe, you kind of referenced there, you, you asked yourself, what could I have done? And now you're trying to do something and you are doing It's what you're doing right now. Again, you plug your t shirt, and all 50% of the proceeds from your t shirt sales go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, so if anybody's interested in one of these t shirts honoring Gus Lee, former University of Richmond student who uh, committed suicide back in 2018, a good friend of Joe Mancuso's, seemed to be a great guy too. All the stories that I've heard and read up on. Online, go check out thedrippinice.com. Scroll down, find JM9 collection. And they've got several t-shirts there supporting Joseph Mancuso. More importantly, the orange and green one, the Miami Dolphin colorway is the one for Gus. And 50% of those proceeds from the t-shirt sale goes right to that foundation, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention on mm-hmm. thedripandice.com. They've got every size in stock right now except for extra large everything's available so go do that t-shirt's only 26 bucks so go snag one of these shirts uh for gus and of course for a great cause and also support joe mancuso while you're at it too but uh joe we'll close out yeah. the show uh thanks for joining me here on the chris mathis podcast it was an honor man and uh at high expectations like i always do but it was better than expected
1: dude it was awesome to be on here and I- i'm gonna go back to what you just said shout out to cole and paul for making these shirts like they did an awesome job with the graphics and everything. And it's just it, the message that I'm trying to send is that message that we just talked about. And it's not, it's not about the money that we're making with these NILs. It's about what we can do outside of football to help other people. And so that's the main message I wanted in this shirt. And they were able to kind of portray that in the message and kind of into the, the shirt itself. So I'm thankful for them and all the work that they put in to build the shirt and build the brand that that's helping me out a lot. Um, but dude, this podcast is awesome i mean obviously i'll get on here anytime you want like we can just chat whenever but it was awesome to see and it's awesome i appreciate everybody watching um all the people that have helped me throughout high school middle school college everybody that's helped me and everything and everybody knows who they are it's just dude it's, it's awesome to be on here i'm just, I'm glad i can get on here actually this is my first i think my first ever like video podcast that i've ever done so i'm glad it was with you i'm glad we got it done so
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's Joseph Mancuso, who's getting ready for hopefully the NFL draft. I believe in him. And uh, Joe, if you will, hang on just one second. I'm going to try to figure out this whole software right quick. So don't go anywhere. You might disappear for a second, but stay right there.